For anyone that's listened to this podcast, you'll know that beer history is something that has just truly intrigued me for a very long time. And when I was reading an article recently in Sapiens Magazine talking about the ancient world in beer and recreating one, I had to have the author of that article on the show. So this week we're talking to Sarah Toth Stubb about her newest article where she talks about ancient history and beer this week on Homebrewing DIY. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On this week's show, we're talking to Sarah Toth Stubb about her newest article where she is talking about the ancient world in beer, and specifically a group of scientists that recreated an ancient beer using yeast found at a site. Uh, It's quite a cool show, and I highly recommend sticking around for the interview. But first, I'd like to thank all of our patrons over at Patreon. It's because of you that this show can come to you week after week. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homebrewing DIY and give monthly at any amount. Your support helps the show come to you week after week. Another way to support the show is to head over to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash homebrewing DIY. And there you can give a one-time support. Buy me a beer. All of that support helps keep the show coming to you week after week. Also, you can write us a review. You can head over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com. Leave us a review, and your reviews are going to help others find the show. And as well, it's great feedback for the podcast and helps us improve. The last way to support the show is head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and use some of our sponsor links. I want to thank all of the listeners who went over there and used Adventures in Homebrewing and brewinabag.com and supported the show by doing their Christmas shopping this month. Super exciting. Also, just exciting to see all of the cool things that homebrewers have gotten this month. There's so much out there. Uh, From electric homebreweries all the way to grain mills, people have been sending me pictures. It's pretty cool stuff. So excited to see all of those new homebrew gifts coming to you. And last, I'd like to say, I hope everybody had a great holiday. And I just, I had a really great time with the wife and the kids and super mellow, had a few beers and just a really relaxing, great Christmas holiday. So super, super cool. Well, that being said, let's jump into this week's episode where we're going to talk to Sarah Toth Stubb. And we're going to talk to her about ancient beer. I'd like to welcome Sarah Toth Stubb. She's a freelance journalist for Archaeology Magazine, and she's in her past written for such publications as the Wall Street Journal. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on Homebrewing DIY. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Well, the reason that I have you on the show today is that you recently wrote a fascinating article about beer, and I wanted to invite you to the show to maybe talk a bit about that article. 
Specifically, the article is in Sapiens magazine and is talking about a recreation that archaeologists have made of an ancient beer. I'd love to just maybe start from the beginning of how you kind of got on this story and uh, and a little bit of background about the story. Sure. Uh, I guess it was almost a half a year ago, a bit more, I was discussing with my wonderful editor at Sapiens, Daisy Yuhas, some some future story ideas. And she pointed out to me that she had seen an interesting panel that was supposed to be about ancient beer that was supposed to happen at the Society for American Archaeology Conference this summer, which never happened because of the COVID pandemic. So that sort of piqued her interest. Like, why why is this archaeology conference having a panel on beer? Um, Sapiens covers archaeology, anthropology, things like that, history. So she just sort of threw that idea out there. And, and I decided, I said, you know what, you know, I cover, I cover archaeology as part of the things I write about from Israel. And it sort of occurred to me that I had heard several times in the last few years about archaeological findings having to do with beer in, in different ancient cultures. So I sort of thought, okay, maybe there's a trend there. Let's, let's look into this. And I guess the question that I was most interested in, are archaeologists really learning about ancient beer? and learning about other things through the study of beer? Or is this just like a gimmick to make the conference more fun to, you know, have a tasting of of ancient beer? So that's sort of where it started. That's where the idea came from. And that's sort of how I started to, to look at it. And so I started reaching out to archaeologists who were supposed to have been on that panel and to others who have published things about beer in the ancient world um, based on, on research, you know, in the Middle East, in the Near East, in China, in, in many places. So that's how how it started out, you know, reached out to um, brewers, mainly from small places, uh, mainly in the States, who I had seen making making ancient beer or running workshops about ancient beer. And I I even saw through my initial research that some museums were brewing ancient beer, having beer people working with archaeologists to to do this. So that's um, that's kind of how the story started. And so I did, as I as I usually do, you know, a lot of background research and interviews to to um, identify main themes and and find interesting people people to talk to I, I hope it shows through in the article but one of the but I did find out you know this is obviously much more than a gimmick um, archaeologists are, are learning many fascinating things about about different ancient societies by studying by studying their beer so yeah and I I Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I, I will put a link to the article itself from the show, and I highly recommend you go and just consume this entire article. It, it is a, a great read. But some things that... Uh, w- w- let, let's talk a bit about the background there, where you you, you did some research. You've talked to a, a bunch of different people, it, it seems like, all over the spectrum in the beer world when it comes to historians all the way to brewers. What, what would you say are some of the, per se, the per, pervasive themes that were kind of through all of those conversations about the culture and beer and, and kind of how they were intertwined? 
So one theme that that sort of that sort of comes up is that several people said this. You know, the beer was not something people in the ancient world were were not stupid. They wanted, you know, things that tasted good, things that made them feel good, all these sorts of things that that we have today. So, you know, beer was not just something that was discovered by accident, most likely because someone left some bread sitting around in water. Um, you know, many many of these um societies had had developed very specific recipes for making beer and also other fermented drinks, you know, often based on what ingredients were readily available to them. So that's something that, that really came out. People, you know, their identity was, was connected to, to some of these drinks. Um, another theme that came out is how much we still don't know because, um, you know, a lot has been learned in the last couple of decades as chemistry and, and other forms of science have advanced, which now can very, you know, exactly identify oftentimes which ingredients were used and, and can even, you know, map the genome of some of the grains and some of the other plant things that were were used. So that's that's interesting to know. But, you know, this all depends on you know, is, was there an, a good sample left on the jug or, you know, did you happen to dig in the right place? You know, there are a million things that have to line up to, to get those, you know, residue samples that, that people can analyze. So there's a lot that's not known. And because beer was something, you know, it doesn't have a very long shelf life. I mean, obviously there are nuances, but it's often made in the home, you know, much the way that the bread was and other, you know, basic food items. So it was something that in many cases, there weren't necessarily, you know, trade records about it with what you may often see with wine, because wine in general you know, keeps longer. It was something that was, that was traded more. Whereas beer tended to be something that was consumed, you know, locally, whether that was in the home or in the village or in the town. And of course there are exceptions. So that makes beer sort of, um, someone that, that I interviewed who works at the Avery Brewing Company, I think it's called in, in Boulder, actually. He was saying that the archeological record of beer has a lot of, um, holes in it. You know, there's, we don't have as full of story about it as we have maybe about wine or about other things because again it wasn't recorded in trade documents or or things like that yeah i think that that's something that i i think is fascinating to me is that there are a lot of holes in the beer history it's kind of like it, it is something that was very made on a farm or made in the home and then all of a sudden a few hundred years ago people did start making it at commercial scales and then we now have beer right. like we have today. But before that, it was essentially a homemade beverage. And and one of the things that you, in your article you point out is that the beer that they recreated here was made from yeast that was found in pottery. Is that is that a pretty common occurrence or is that something that is unique? So this was a unique situation. I'll just um, fill people in in case they haven't haven't read the article. But basically, a team of archaeologists in Israel, consisting of researchers from various universities, other field archaeologists, um, and also it was an interdisciplinary team, so so chemists and other scientists. They had had vessels from from various. I think it was as many as five archaeological sites around Israel, from you know ranging from five thousand years ago, four thousand years ago. 
2,000 years ago, you know, a ra- sort of a range of things. And um, some of them had the idea to not just identify, you know, what what the residues were on these vessels. You know, that's um, has become somewhat common in archaeology to find something and to do residue analysis and say, okay, we see that it that contains traces of wheat or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But they decided to, to go a step further and not only say that there were traces of yeast, but to see if they could see if that that yeast was still viable because um, yeast is something, a microorganism that lives in a colony. So the colony can keep surviving for a long time. Obviously, the individual microorganisms die off, but the colony can live for a very long time. So they were curious if these colonies, you know, on these vessels that were thousands of years old were still viable enough to to use today you know would would it cause fermentation today so you know it was obviously sort of a lot of complex science work in a lab but they isolated a, a few different yeast samples they actually ended up being different species of yeast and they used them to you know they followed sort of a, a basic recipe for a home brew and they also were they worked with with some brewers as well and they used them and made i think um four different kinds of beer and one kind of mead which is basically yeast and honey i believe And, um, yeah, they made them and they all sort of, you know, really tasted like beer more or less, but one of them, (laughs) one of them, the one that, that I, I, I actually didn't have the opportunity to taste these because this, this event actually happened before I was writing this story. So I, you know, I interviewed everyone and (laughs) watched videos and sort of, you know, recreated the 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 tasting but i actually didn't get to taste the beer myself but they said that the one that tasted the best was actually the one made with the same species of yeast which is most commonly used today in the western world to brew beer so i thought that was interesting so yeah that's what that's what they did i don't think this is something people can can do at home because it took a lot of um, scientific work in the lab as well to figure out you know if these yeasts were actually viable and keep them in the right conditions yeah it's kind of something where the the this was a unique situation where you found a bit of yeast slurry and were able to actually isolate the yeast out and and to be honest at a at a at a homebrew level you can you could actually make your own little yeast lab at home and grow things up, but you're you're gonna really struggle to differentiate yeah. between different t- species of yeast on a slant or something like that. And so, yeah, I I agree. This or you're gonna have to, and you would, yeah, go ahead. Or you would have to convince archaeologists. You, I mean, if you could convince the archaeologists to give you some of these, yeast yeah, bags, that, that'd be pretty tough. Do that, yeah, exactly. Um, but even you know, even then, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. still struggle to get it isolated without a full lab. It's just that's kind of the deal. Yeah. And yeah. then uh what one thing yeah. I would I would love to know is so you you said that they made these beers and funny the beer that is more related to modern yeast is the one that ended up tasting the best. Uh and, and I'm not surprised by that. I think Saccharomyces, which is the modern brewer's yeast, is is there's a reason why we brew with it, right? It it works and it tastes great. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what do you think as far as socially that they were able to kind of drive from this, from these discoveries, right? I, I know that they made it using mo- more modern malts and things like that. And really they, this was just the yeast, but the idea is, uh, you know, are there things that 
these discoveries tell us about those ancient cultures that we can derive about maybe what daily life was like, those kinds of things. So in this case of this project that I just talked about in Israel, so first of all, some of the vessels that contained yeast were from a couple of different, you know, a few different archaeological sites. And they had suspected that these pitchers and vessels, which were quite numerous, were used for beer because they had sort of like a filter, a filtered spout on them. You know, it had been assumed that, okay, it would make sense that this was used for pouring beer that could filter out, you know, bits of things that you don't necessarily want to drink that are left over from the fermentation process. Um, but they never really knew that for sure. So now they know that for sure. So they know that, for example, among the Philistines who were sort of like a seafaring people, from the region that, that settled, you know, in, in what is now Israel and Lebanon and other places in the region, you know, there are a lot of these sorts of vessels found at a lot of their archaeological sites. So now people know for sure that beer was probably, you know, a big, a big part of their life. And then going back, um, jumping to a couple of other projects that were done, you know, farther farther back in history, in a pro at an archaeological project in China in the Yellow River Valley, um, they also found found vessels that had traces of basically fermented beverages on them as well that were as old as you know eight dating back eight thousand years. So not only did they find out okay that that people were making beer like beverages back then, but they were also making these beverages, you know, right around the time when other evidence shows that they were starting to domesticate grains and, and plants that were used for food. So basically, you know, when they started to domesticate plants, one of the main uses or for these plants, as far as they can tell, was not just making bread, but was also, you know, making beer. So that was interesting. It showed that, that, uh, you know, I mean, no one knows exactly how this how this happened, but maybe one of the motivations for domesticating plants and for, you know, making them grow more efficiently, closer to, to where you are, could have been that they, they needed it for for making for making drinks like this. And that's also a similar discovery was made also in the Natufian culture, which is from I don't know, as long as, you know, 15,000 years ago and also in the Mediterranean region and what is now Israel, Jordan, that, that area, you know, the archaeologists found in a cave on the coast of Israel evidence of beer being made like 11,000 to 13,000 years ago in a, in a Natufian site there. And it sort of matches up uh, roughly to the age at which they have found that that culture also started making bread. So the two were, you know, sort of came into being or at least being being done roughly the same time. So that that's interesting because scholars say that this can help them better understand maybe people's motivations for domesticating grain and motivations for becoming settled societies rather than nomadic societies. Um, you know, beer was, was probably part of that story. Another interesting thing that researchers have learned as well, both in the case of China and in the case of this Natufian civilization, in Israel and other places in the region, they have found um, its it sites in both of those places, evidence of beer making in the same areas where people were, were buried. So they think that there is maybe some link between mourning rituals or burial rituals and feasting or, or drinking or, or things like this. And, and as one researcher from Stanford University pointed out to me, she, she was involved in the research in China as well as in these Natufian sites around Israel. She was saying that 
you know, she said, you know, we have to acknowledge that in all of this, you know, it's alcohol. It wasn't just for sustenance. Like people, you know, were drinking it perhaps because of the alcohol, because of the way it made them feel. So, so that's something also connected to the idea of the alcohol. It should be pointed out that, that some scholars have also said that, that beer may have been consumed or may have been made because it was a way to ensure or try to ensure that people wouldn't get sick from water sources um, that weren't necessarily clean, that this was a way to sort of sterilize um, beverages. Yeah. And, and see, to me, that is the most fascinating part of all of this is is really just how alcohol and beer were used in daily life. And we, we can even take that to modern examples. Right. So, like, for example, and, right. and, and, and this is just me kind of going off the cuff here. But, for example, right now in the homebrewing world, there's a really big push towards these farmhouse ale yeast strains that are out of Norway called Kvikes, which have been used for hundreds of years at a farmhouse level and are now just hitting the, uh, the, 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 the brewing scene. And they're completely different than any type of brewer's yeast that has ever been out there. The reason that these yeasts were actually used were for things such as funerals, right? Somebody would pass away. They would then brew a, and they still do this to this day, they would brew a beer with these kvikes and they have to have the beer done by the time of the funeral. So you have only a few days to have it done. And these beers actually can ferment in as little as, you know, four days grain to glass. And so the idea is that, oh, yeah. And so you can take even modern examples of we do this today and go back 8,000 years. Why wouldn't we be doing that 8,000 years ago? We're still human beings, right? right. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, this yeah. just it was a it's a fascinating article. And I I appreciate you taking the time to come onto this show and talk to us about your journey through this article. I'll make sure we link to it. Are, are, is there anything beer related or alcohol research related in your future? So not at the moment, but um, I, I do think it's something that, you know, something that sort of caught my attention going back to the first project that I that I talked about where the researchers in Israel isolated that yeast and, and made beer from it. There is a something that I might look into writing about I thought was interesting. They said that there is a lot of potential now that they have succeeded to do that. There's a lot of potential in learning more about cheeses, for example, or olives or pickles or other, other foods that may have been consumed in the ancient world that were fermented um, to, to learn more about how, how those were made, because maybe you could also isolate, you know, parts of different ingredients of those and, and learn more about that. So just, yeah, that, I mean, I, I would, I am interested in this idea of how, how researchers have been able to delve more deeply into the, into the food that people in the ancient world have you know we're eating and that's really interesting because for a long time archaeology was you know it's always been i guess about the things that that survive but for a long time that was you know stones and and things like this but now because of the advancement of the chemistry biology genetics science it's possible to learn about things that 
really don't even exist anymore. You know, you have microscopic residue, but you could learn all about someone's diet from that or all about their economy or their society. So I find that concept interesting. And I hope to, to maybe um, write some more articles about projects looking into that. Couldn't can't wait to read them because to me it's you listed off all the great you just listed off all the great things in life which are beer wine <laughs> cheese olives I mean come on <laughs> so yeah, fermentation okay. makes all the great things in life right so uh, well I want to thank you for coming on homebrewing DIY and like I said if you if you ever write another article I'd love to have you back but uh, thank you so much for coming on the show okay well thank you so much for having me it was a lot of fun. Now we're going to hop into a bit of feedback. I had a bit from Michael. He sent me an email. He actually just went over to the contact form on our website and sent me an email this last week. And this was a good follow-up to an earlier episode. So let's hop into his comment. He said, Hi, I just discovered your podcast yesterday. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you for making it. In one of the iSpindle shows, you mentioned that you were trying to find a way to flash the firmware for a non-PC machine. I'm on a Mac, and my ha- and it's the only thing I have in my house. So wondering if the if that's what you're using is the same thing. And did you ever find an answer? Maybe it could come up in a later episode. Best wishes, Mike. I did respond to Mike, and I said, Mike, thank you so much for listening to the show. But yes, uh, John Beeler, who made Ferment Track, has come up with a new piece of software. It's called Brew Flasher, and it is specifically made for the Macintosh and other types of operating systems to be able to flash the ESP8266 specifically for brewing softwares. So he's he's gone and made a GitHub repository. I do have a link to the Brew Flasher software, and I will put that in the show notes. So if you go to homebrewingdiy.beer, look in the show notes and have a cool little link there, and you'll be able to head over to the Brew Flasher software on GitHub, or you can just search for one word, Brew Flasher. And just as another announcement to kind of finish up the feedback section, I do want people to know that starting next week, which is the last week show, the last show and last week of the year, we are going to have our homebrew hack show. So very excited about that. Normally, I have Evan, the president of the Old Town Mash Paddlers, do the show with me, and we go through all the different homebrew hacks that have been sent to me. But Evan is actually not going to be able to make the show this year. He's had some family stuff come up, and and I hope that uh, it works out for him, and and we'll see him again soon. I just need to. He needs to take a little break from doing some old town mash paddler business right now. And and I support him in that. That being said, I am going to have Aaron Bandler who's been on the show multiple times and he's going to go through some of the homebrew hacks with me this week. And so very excited for that show and all of the hacks that have already been sent to us. It's always a great show. So just note that show will drop on Thursday, New Year's Eve, and that will be the last show of the year. So very, very excited to hear that. I'd like to thank Sarah Toth Stubb for taking the time to 
be on this show. I know that we had to talk all the way from Jerusalem to Denver, Colorado, working out times, morning for me, night for her. Always cool to see how global of a show this podcast really is. But I want to thank her for taking the time to be on the podcast. Also, just note, if you head over to homebrewingdiy.beer, I am linking to her article in Sapiens Magazine, as well as I will drop a link to her Twitter account. So if you would like to follow some of the other archaeological articles that she writes, she's a wonderful author and great uh, journalist. So please make sure you follow Sarah. Also, speaking of social media, head on over to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer, or you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at homebrewingdiy.beer, one word. And last, if you want to be on the feedback section, just send us an email to homebrewing to podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. And you can also head over to our website and click on the contact tab and then fill out that form and that will shoot me an email as well. Well, that's it for this week. And we'll talk to you next week on Homebrewing DIY.